Gateway North. It's great to be with you today. It's so much colder north of the river. And everyone watching online, so glad that you're here with us. I want you to think back to when you were 16 years old. How did you view the world? What did you want to do? I mean, there's some of you here, when you were 16, you were convinced you were going to marry Justin Timberlake. You'd become an architect trained at an Ivy League school. Others of you just knew you'd become a professional athlete and marry Tyra Banks or Jennifer Lopez. You hadn't decided which one. Now I want you to consider when you were 26 years old, what did you think about the 16-year-old version of yourself? So young and naive, right? And how did they even let you drive at that age, really? Well, if you're older than that, at 36, did you look back to when you were 26 and, and feel the same way? I mean, you can look back and see the opportunities missed, the mistakes made. You've learned from them. And, and even though your brain has fully developed, you just know that if you'd only known at 26 what you know now at 36. Well, that was true for me. When I was 16 years old, I had hair like vanilla ice. And I loved rock and roll. Here's a, a picture of me at 16. That's right. So rock and roll, right? Standing with my parents. At 26, I went through my dyed goatee phase. Do you know how many baby pictures I ruined with those different shades of goatee? See, if I'd only known then what I knew now, I would have changed some things. And I can tell you, if you're still in your 20s or in your 30s, that when you're in your 40s, you look back at even the 36-year-old version of you and still think, so young, so naive. I do miss those moments where you could tie your shoe and not injure your back, you know, when I was in my 30s. But if I only knew then what I know now, and, and friends who are older than me have told me it continues to be like that, that a decade from now we'll all look back and think, if I only knew then what I know now. See, we have the capacity to continue to grow and to change. And some of us, you, some of us are here today, and you're growing in your faith, and you're excited for where you're at. You have this healthy understanding that you've made progress and you still have a long way to go. But there are others of us here that have struggled. And maybe you're one of these types of people. The, the three types of people that, that experience kind of a, a stall in their spiritual growth. Some of us don't believe that we can grow. That's the first type. See, we, become, we come to closure too soon on who God is in our life and what we think God can even do in us or through us. We don't believe that God can do the miraculous. We become cynical or jaded because of painful moments in our life or what seems like unanswered prayers. But some of us don't want to grow because it means making changes or even sacrifices. And so we settle for the status quo. We look back with fondness on the past, but we end up missing what God wants to do in our present and in our future. Or maybe you're the third type. Some of us here, we want to grow, but we seem stuck. I found in my own life that sometimes that happens when we think we're more mature than we are. See, too often we confuse progress with maturity. Just to set the record straight, let me just say this right out loud. 
none of us have arrived. I haven't either. We all have room to grow. Wherever you might be, whether you're growing now or you're cynical about growing or you've settled for the status quo or, or you're feeling stuck, I want you to know that the scriptures tell us that God is able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. But some of us have stopped asking. Some of us have stopped imagining. Some of us aren't asking for enough. Some of us aren't imagining enough. What if we're settling for good, but what God has for us is great? What if we're settling for what comes natural, but what God has for us is supernatural? See, we're all imperfect people. That means we all have room to grow. We have not arrived at our full potential. But how do we grow? How do we make progress instead of remaining stuck? Now, interestingly enough, scientists have discovered that your mindset is critical on whether you will grow or not. You see, we used to have this understanding that the brain was a non-renewable organ, that you have a certain number of brain cells, and as you get older, you have fewer and fewer. But actually, more recently, in the late 90s, early 2000s, studies began to show that the adult brain is actually capable of growing new brain cells. That you actually can continue to grow and learn no matter what age, as long as you don't have things going wrong with your brain. Now there's a book that came out a while back called Mindset by Dr. Carol Dweck. And she points out the differences between having a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. See if this sounds like you. First, the fixed mindset. The one on the right. Those of us who feel fearful about being judged by others and by God. And so we end up playing the game of putting on a good face to, to make it appear that we have everything all together so that we can be valued and loved. But that's what keeps us stuck. We believe things like failure is the limit of my abilities. I'm either good or I'm not. My abilities are unchanging. I stick to what I know. Feedback and criticism are personal. That's a fixed mindset, but a growth mindset is one in which we see our failures and shortcomings in the light of God's love and His grace. We see them as opportunities to learn and grow, and we keep moving toward a better version of ourselves. We embrace the fact that we are imperfect people with room to grow. And in fact, maybe that's why you found this community, that idea of other people who are authentic, right? This is the place where we say no perfect people are allowed. But people with a growth mindset believe things like this. Failure is an opportunity to grow. My effort and my attitude determine my abilities. Feedback is constructive. I'm inspired by the success of others. I like to try new things. This all reminds me of Martin Seligman's book called Learn Optimism, where he wrote the following. Pessimistic people think of setbacks as permanent, universal, and internal. But optimistic people see setbacks as temporary, specific, and external. Now something fascinating is when you read the scriptures, you can see the difference in these moments when there is a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. It doesn't use the words in particular, but I want to show you a couple of my favorite passages that really have helped me along the way. Now one of the most influential people to ever live was a man named Paul. He traveled all across the Middle East in what is now Europe reaching out to people and starting churches. And he traveled a lot. Let me show you a map. He ended up writing letters to 
the churches that he started and to the leaders that he left in different places. And most of these letters make up the New Testament and they've shaped followers of Jesus and our world ever since. He was the first person to really take the words of Jesus and apply them in the context of community. And these churches began to spread throughout the known world, even to this day, to where there's even a church, a campus called Gateway Buda, our newest one we started, which by the way is not pictured on the map. Now you and I can be mentored by Paul just by reading and applying the scriptures. And that's why it's important as followers of Jesus to spend time in the scriptures. Especially start in the New Testament and just read the words and seek to apply them to your life. And what you'll see is that Paul traveled with other people. And when they were ready, he would leave them in places and then continue on to the next place as he would start more churches. In one of these situations, Paul traveled with a man named Titus. And he left him in Crete. You can see it on that same mat. It's there in the middle. It's an island there, just south of Greece. And Titus's goal was described as the following in chapter 1 of Titus. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. He went on to describe what these elders, these spiritual leaders were like. They're people who have integrity. They're not corrupt. They're not given to stealing or drunkenness. They're slow to anger. They demonstrate self-control. They're trustworthy. They're hospitable. They're faithful to their spouse, and they know and live out the truths found in the Scripture. They are spiritually mature. Now, what happens is Paul points out, and he realizes that this is going to be a difficult task because he left him in a place called Crete, and Crete did not match that description. Now, the Cretans had a fixed mindset. Chapter 1, verse 12. It says here, one of Crete's own prophets has said, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, and lazy gluttons. Now think about this for a second. This is what they said about themselves. One of their own prophets has said this. The Cretans believed about themselves. We're always lying. We're, we're always evil brutes. We're always lazy gluttons. And that's just who we are. Right? There's no changing us. There's no hope for us. And if you don't like it, then go to another island is basically how they viewed themselves. Even to this day, being called a Cretan is not a compliment. So this is a tough task. Poor Titus. I mean, he's been left in this place surrounded by Cretans, and his job is to turn them into spiritual leaders. It was as if Paul was saying, I want you to turn lying, evil brutes and gluttons into spiritual overseers. Take unlikable people and turn them into world-class leaders we see it right here in the scriptures come as you are but you don't have to stay that way titus's job was to help them move from a fixed mindset to become people with a growth mindset now here's one of my favorite lines in the bible it's literally one of the funniest when you really think about it paul wrote one of crete's own prophets has said it cretans are always li liars evil brutes lazy gluttons and then he says this saying is true <laughs> he'd had some experiences with the Cretans you know what that prophet was pretty accurate but see what's happening here is he goes on to explain how they can change so I think he was joking I think he was just acknowledging hey I left you with a bunch of Cretans peace out I'm gone right good luck with that but he's writing him and telling him there's hope for them they can change and here's how so what was this process that leads to transformation. 
to helping people become who God created them to be. I mean, think about this. Paul and Titus and those that traveled with them, they were going into places where there was no knowledge of a loving and just God. Very broken people. Many of them who believed in many, many gods. So what was this process? Well, the process was relational. They started a church. Now, the early church met together in large gatherings like this. And they also met in homes like we do. And Paul describes all of this in a statement in Acts. Listen to this, Acts 20. I serve the Lord with great humility and with tears in the midst of severe testing. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. You can see all four weeks of this Envision the New You series. Paul was accepting of people no matter their background. That's what we talked about two weeks ago. You see, he grew up a very strict Jew who was told that anyone who was not Jewish or, or Jewish but not following all of the practices of the Jewish people were unclean. And here he's talking about proclaiming to the Greeks or in other places you'll see the word Gentiles, which is basically everyone who's not a Jew. He, he was accepting of people even though they were considered unclean by his people in the past. He was serving with humility. That's what we talked about last week. He was helping people grow as they gathered publicly in homes. That's what we're talking about this week. He was helping people find faith, impacting others. That's what we'll talk about next week. But I want you to think about this for a moment. Let's make this personal. What if in this room, those watching online, what if we became people who were more accepting, who were serving, who were growing and impacting? It would transform the lives of the people we love, the people with whom we work, the people within our neighborhood, our family, our friends. You see, discipleship, transformation is relational. You cannot grow without others in your life. You cannot reach your full potential without others there to love you and encourage you, to rebuke you and challenge you, to be with you on this journey. We need community to become all who God has created us to be. We need to surround ourselves with people who have a growth mindset in order to learn how to have a growth mindset ourselves, uh, Maybe you heard this as a kid. Or maybe you've used this on your kids. Have you heard this? We are the average of the five people we spend the most time with. Terrifying thought, isn't it? I, I saw online someone say, since we become more like the people we are spending time with, I'm looking to befriend a millionaire. <laughs> so I want to ask you, with whom are you spending your time? Are you spending time with people who live in a way that you want to one day live your life? Are you inviting people into your life who, who are exploring their faith or new to faith so that you can help them in their journey? Several years ago, the GROW team here at Gateway got together and we were creating what we now call our life group model. We use this passage in Titus along with others that are describing a spiritually mature person. Now, just out of curiosity, uh, in this room, how many of you have been in a life group that was working through the outcomes? Just raise your hand. All right, several of us. If you haven't, let me just explain a little bit about what this is. We end up studying the Bible together thematically. It's a systematic approach rather than verse by verse. 
You see, these outcomes, these spiritual outcomes are what we all need to become spiritually mature. If we can grow in these areas, we will become more like the person God created us to be. These outcomes are Bible studies dealing with loving God and loving people, building our character and being the body of Christ. A woman in my life group this week sent me an email. She said this, I have years and years of Bible study behind me, and I want you to know I really love this study. Now, these are life groups that have been together for a while. But you should know, when you jump into one of these groups, you don't have to have any Bible knowledge. You can be a complete novice. You don't have to have all the answers. But there is a place for you to go deeper. But for others of you, maybe you're here and you're thinking, you know, I just want to get connected with friends. I just need to have some other people in my life. I need to increase the average of the people I spend time with. There are something we just started this new year called community groups. And this would be a great place for you. All of our groups are all about sharing life together, having meaningful conversations, and exploring what it means to follow Jesus. This is the season that groups are starting. And I want to encourage you to do something different. How many of you want 2020 to be just like 2019? No one raised their hand in the last service either. If you want it to be different, then you got to do something different. Be proactive. Step into a group. Pick one of these up today. It has everything you need to know about Alpha, a great place if you're exploring faith. It starts tomorrow night. Or, or, or life groups, as I mentioned, or community groups, or even Restore and Recovery. These are support groups. You'll receive this on your way out. But pick these up and look into ways that you can get into a group to make this year different, to grow to become who God has created you to be. Now, it's important to understand the goal of these groups is not information. It's transformation. And that happens in the context of community. I've had that experience myself. The conversations, the insight discovered, the friends who listened to me, prayed with me, shared with me, corrected me, or even encouraged me. I feel like in my time here at Gateway over these almost 10 years, I, I've been transformed to the place where I feel like my my head and my heart are finally connected for the first time. You see, I used to have a fixed mindset. My last name is Bryant, which means noble, strong, and virtuous. That sounds awesome, right? But that's not how I saw the Bryants. See, I believe that all Bryants are controlling, short-tempered, anxious, and cheap. And I was one of them. But I've seen glimpses of Bryant's being empowering and calm, peaceful and generous. Now they all married into our family, but I've seen glimpses. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I have seen glimpses of even genetically Bryant's becoming more generous and kind and peaceful and empowering. I've seen even glimpses in my own life. I can tell you that in the context of my faith, in the context of authentic community, I've discovered I don't have to be a controlling, angry, and anxious tightwad. And I want you to know this about yourself. Your family of origin does not limit you. Your last name does not define you. Have you ever considered that God loves your family so much that he put you in that family? 
that you might find spiritual healing from him and bring that healing to everyone who's older than you and everyone who comes after you. See, it's really important for you to understand in this room, those of you watching online, that God created you on purpose and for a purpose. His desires that you might have a relationship with him and discover who he's created you to be. See, your family needs you to make growing spiritual, spiritually a priority. The people around you need you to take that seriously because they need the help that you can bring as you find that help in community and in your relationship with God. Now later in this letter to Titus, Paul gives us more insight into what should be happening in these communities. And we can read it and apply it to our own community here in Austin. Which, by the way, did you know that most of the books in the Bible were actually written to churches? They were written to community. Following Jesus is not intended to just be between you and God. You cannot possibly apply what you're reading in the scriptures without other people in your life. We need community to help us from getting sucked into the destructive ways of this world. Now, not only did Paul start a church to help the people of Crete move from being Cretans to becoming spiritual leaders, but they actually, actually created such a beautiful community that they were willing to have hard and honest conversations. It's the word rebuke you might see when you read the scriptures. But there's also something important that they wanted to make sure that the Cretans understood in order to help them get past and overcome their destructive habits and pursuits. It's in chapter 2, verse 11. Look at this. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. See, God's part in helping you become who he's created you to be is he loves you. And he lavishes this love on you. It's called grace. It's love that's undeserved by us. And our part, and he even helps us pull this off, is gratitude is what compels us to do good that we were created to do. We need to reflect on all the great things that God has given us. To remember all the ways that God has blessed us. Or as I learned from Erwin McManus in our time in Los Angeles at Mosaic, he would always say, we need to be thankful for what we have and not mad about what we don't have. Do you have a posture of gratitude? Are you aware of all the good that God has done in your life? Or are you just keeping track of all the things you don't have? See, our lives should be motivated by a deep sense of gratitude. We should passionately serve him by serving others. We should pursue him and follow him and help others do the same. Enduring trials, no matter what might come our way. Now, some of us grew up in a religious context, which inadvertently or perhaps intentionally may have taught us that we need to do good things to get God to love us. But the God in the scriptures actually is a God of grace. He loves us already. And out of that love, we begin a relationship. And out of gratitude, we then do good things. Out of a thank you. 
See, we need to shift our understanding of God and the church. You see, this is not about religion. This is about a relationship with God. Cultural Christianity and American religiosity is more of a fixed mindset about God, our Heavenly Father, which says more like this, I messed up, my dad is going to kill me. Whereas, genuine faith in Jesus and having a relationship with God is more like a growth mindset, which says this, I messed up, I need to call my dad. What is your relationship with God like? Do you see him as angry, ready to judge you, withholding from you? Or do you see him as with you in the midst of the most difficult circumstances? Do you see how much he loves you in spite of what may be happening around you? See, being in community helps us in this. Otherwise, we can slip back into a religious mindset, which is fixed, rather than a relational mindset, which is growth. Getting into smaller community, where there's no perfect people allowed, where you're authentic, you can share about your struggles, not worrying about being judged, where you can confess the things you're working through. It's in that context you will experience healing. Listen to what it says in James. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, there's another passage I want us to look at that helped me switch my mindset. It's the book of Hebrews, which was written to Jewish followers of Jesus. And many of them were starting to fall away in their faith. And so the author writes really a sermon to them. And in that, he delineates all the ways that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Hebrew scriptures. He's the ultimate sacrifice, dying on the cross for our sins. So there's no need to sacrifice animals for forgiveness. He's the ultimate priest, ultimate prophet, ultimate king. He's greater than the angels, greater than Moses. Jesus is the Messiah. And in chapter 10, he writes to them these words of encouragement. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We need each other. We shouldn't neglect coming together on Sundays and in our homes. This is what the church has been doing since the church began 2,000 years ago. Coming together in large gatherings and in houses. Now, if you're online, let me just say this. I want to encourage you, if you live in Austin, to join us on a Sunday. And unless you're sick, you can always stay home when you're sick, right? But, but maybe you used to come all the time and you found yourself getting comfortable just watching from bed. I want to tell you that you are missing so much what God has for you. You can't capture that through a screen. And if you're watching online and you live outside of Austin, I want, it to, I want you to know that we have an online campus and online community groups that you can jump in and be a part of. But for those of us in this room, being in a group can be so transformative. It can change everything. And coming every week can be so transformative. I had a friend years ago who came up to me. He was really discouraged 
feeling really disconnected. And so I started asking him some questions. And I was asking, when was the last time you served with the, the college group? And he said, well, it's been, it's been several months. Well, when's the last time you've been a part of your small group? And he said, well, it's, it's been several weeks. And then I said, well, when's the last time you came on a Sunday? And he said, it's, it's been about a month, but I've been watching online. I had this incredible insight in this moment. I just looked him in the eyes and I said, I figured out why you feel so incredibly discouraged, why you feel so disconnected. It's because you've disconnected. You see, when you and I disconnect, we're going to feel disconnected. He had removed himself. He was feeling discouraged because he'd removed himself from all the people who encouraged him. You see, our default in life is isolation and loneliness. Too often we pass by people all the time who are struggling and we look right past them, unwilling to stop, unwilling to look at them and say, how can I help you? Or I see you. Lee Higgins, who leads our Gateway South guys, along with Will Arnicky, sent me this article in NPR which indicated three out of five Americans are lonely. A 2018 Cygnus study said that 47% of Americans don't feel like they have any meaningful conversation daily. The emerging Generation Z is the loneliest generation of them all. Did you know that loneliness can have the health effects of smoking 15 cigarettes a day? And that loneliness can lead to an early death. In the Search for the Common Good by Jake Meter, he talks about how from 1940 to 2010, our population grew by 134%. In that same time period, the number of counselors, mental health professionals, psychologists has increased by 3,206%. We are more isolated, more lonely. See, what's happened is we've outsourced the work of everyday caring because it doesn't feel like anyone cares. What if we became those people who cared for others? What if we humbled ourselves enough to ask for help? So I need you to ask yourself, who is spurring you on to become the person God's created you to be? Who are you spurring on and helping in their journey? Now, there's this really cool part. Here's, here's the part I wanted to show you. So, unfortunately, people were falling away in their faith. And, and that usually happens after falling away from community. That's why in the, the letter of Hebrews, he said, don't stop meeting together. And then he says this, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and not delay. And... But my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Did you see the switch from the fixed mindset to the growth mindset? You may think of yourself as a quitter, someone who shrinks back and gives up. But with God's help, that's not who you are. Jesus has changed your identity. You see, when you and I say yes to following Jesus, he makes us new. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead comes to live within us and empower us and enable us to become overcomers. See, we do not shrink back because he helps us stand strong. 
See, when you and I shrink back, we're creating distance between us and God. But this passage reminds us of our true identity. That's not who we are. God is not pleased when we shrink back. But, and this is a huge but, we are not of those who shrink back. That's not who we are anymore. We don't quit. We persevere. One of my favorite films, it's an old one. It's called Hook. In it, Peter Pan has grown up and forgotten his true identity until this moment. Let's watch together. people in our life who remind us who we really are otherwise we give in to the fixed mindset the negative self-talk the lies that keep us from becoming who God wants us to be so you and I are made new but we need to be intentional about your relationship with God and your relationship with others it's going to require a sacrifice but it'll be worth it maybe give up one night of TV to spend time with a group. Maybe give up one morning of social media to, to serve in a network. In fact, I want you to do something. I want to encourage you to try this. Every time you go to a group, or every time you come on Sundays, I want you to just pray this prayer. God, what do you have for me? And what do you want from me? Just come with an open heart, open mind, and you will be amazed at what he has for you and what he might ask from you. And when you lose your life in serving others, that's how you find your life. But make coming on Sundays a priority, being in a group a priority, serving with us a priority. You see, we all have a next step. So I want to encourage you to take your next step today. Be intentional in this new year because it will lead to a new you. I want to, in this moment, pray for us as we conclude our time together. Heavenly Father, I just would ask that you would help us take that next step. God, if it's saying to you, maybe for the first time, God, I need you. Forgive me. Help me. I want to follow you. Lead me. Then give us the courage to take that step. God, if the next step for someone here is to jump into a group, to get past whatever fear or hurts from the past and just give community a chance, give you a chance to bring healing.
God, whatever that next step is, may we have the courage to do that. And may we be people who don't overlook others who are hurting. But may we be people who are known by our love, willing to serve, willing to bring an impact to their life, accepting of others, and growing all along the way. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.